Hello everyone, this is Sarisha and I host the Women, Career and Life podcast. Just like you, I've traversed varied paths, stumbled a little, picked myself up and learned a great deal on my journey. Many of us face similar questions, but we don't always get to have a conversation with our friends or peers. In this podcast, you will hear real stories that you can connect with on the challenges of navigating career and life. You must be wondering who I am. In my everyday life, I'm a career woman, a mom, and an avid reader. I'm also a road tripper, amateur gardener, and even a fashionista on some days. Join me and my guests as we have an open and honest discussion on career change, trade-offs, and working across boundaries. You get the idea. It's a perspective you simply may not hear anywhere else. Welcome to today's podcast. We're continuing our series on Let's Talk About Money. And I have some really good friends, Angel and Stephen Thomas, joining us. Stephen is an independent consultant, and he will talk more about what he does. And Angel works in the high-tech industry as an engineer. They're both parents of two lovely young children. And we are going to walk through their journey from when they started college all the way to where they are now in their life. I met Angel and Stephen when I started my first job. So it's we've known each other a long time. And had financial discussions over the course of years. And I think it is a good perspective to hear on some of the decisions they made early on as they graduated college. So Angel and Stephen, welcome. Thank you for being here on the podcast today. And thank you. As part of all the planning you did, can we spend some time talking about all the different types of insurance you have and how you protected yourself? All the insurances that we have, it's definitely where people are very opinionated about term versus life versus disability. And it's really up for people to see what works best for them. For us, we understand that we're paying more for a whole life policy and other people would think it's the silliest thing in the world is to invest that money separately. But for us, it filled the need and provided what we wanted at the time. And that's why we supplemented it with the term insurance as well. Most people probably don't have both, but again, it's really what works best, you know, in for everyone's situation. And we've also protected ourselves with some disability, disability insurance. insurance on our own, on ourselves in case we become disabled. That way we still have some money coming in as well as an umbrella policies. Yeah. Liability insurance through my work as well. So it's one of those things where you pay six, seven hundred dollars a year and it can save you from a million dollar lawsuit. What I'll do is on the blog, I'm going to post a different type of insurances so people can do the research and figure out what's right for them. But at least it gives them the opportunity. I know about Umbrella. I don't know about everything that you're talking about. I know some of the disability insurance and stuff. There's long-term care insurance too, which is outrageously expensive. And But we don't have that. Is long-term care insurance when they're older for medical insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, or assisted living? And our friend, her, his dad had it and was in a, a very expensive, like had a memory, Alzheimer's type issues. Was it a very expensive assisted living home for several years? And it was a miracle for them to have that policy that paid for it all. Cause that's the $10,000 a month and this policy paid for it all. But for us now to buy it, it would be $500 a month for, for the policy. It would be worth it. Yeah. It, it's interesting as our parents get older and so realize that, oh, if they have to go into one of those places, they would deplete their savings in possibly one year, all of their savings. And so that's really worrisome. I'm wondering about that someday. I've heard most people take it after 50, but from what you're saying, you need it even earlier. Yeah, I've heard it, it's relatively inexpensive if you get it like when we got first got our life insurance policies. I, it's just money over time. If 
it'd be a hundred dollars a month then, but you're paying for 35 years versus now we'd only be paying in 10 years. So it's, it would cost a lot more, but yeah, last time I priced one and then it was so restrictive. Like it was $5,000 a month maximum. And then there was policy maximums. Like, like it was just so restrictive that it wasn't even worth it. I'll just have to have Angel take care of me. Weston will take care of me. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good taker care of Weston. Is. Yeah, we'll see. It's interesting how expensive that is, mm-hmm. honestly. I have an interview coming up with financial planner and she's going to talk about the four pillars of retirement, which talks about health, living, relationships, finance, because most of us, when we think of retirement, we think only about the money part, a mm-hmm. huge portion of it, but there are all these other aspects that you need to get ready. Or even think about it, it's a lifestyle. It's not just about the money or having insurance and just living, but the lifestyle you want, what hobbies, how are you going to think about it? How do you plan ahead? So that after you retire, yes, you'll travel, but how else are you going to keep yourself busy investing in the relationship? The new thing is separate master bedrooms. <laughs> that's, that's the key to happy retirement. So well, I sounds pretty good that I got a time limit, 15 more years and I'm on my own again. <laughs> so, uh, it is actually interesting though. Most couples we know, like at least the older couples in this family, they yeah. all have separate bedrooms because one wants what TV. They wake up, one person wakes up every night at 2 a.m. and they want to read a book and turn the light on. The other one snores. There's a lot of storing going on. And so it is. That is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I remember my dad when he retired was telling about his friend. A lot of the women were homemakers. So when the husbands retired, they would come and stand at the door and say, what are you cooking? How much are you making? Did you put salt in this? They were driving their wives a little crazy. One of the wives gave her husband a rag and said, okay, go clean the windows until then you don't get your morning coffee. So that's how she got him out of the way. So that's smart. That's good. Smart. Yeah, I like that. I think our travel keeps us sane. We try to do, we probably travel five or six weeks a year, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and a lot of short weekend trips around all the holidays, the shorter holidays if we can. We usually have the airline miles covered and the hotel fees covered. So we usually don't spend very much on our trips, which is uh, great. So I think uh, you were talking about doing a cruise around the world when we retire someday. That, that I can't get for free. Stephen, maybe you have ideas. I know there are a ton of sites on points and stuff, and maybe you can point us to some of those. Because I do not use it. I was thinking about just before COVID hit on how to utilize that because there are blogs. Thepointsguy.com is good. And I, I wrote a couple articles on there uh, about the Southwest Companion Pass. So it really takes an investment. Like you really have to, it's not, oh, I'm just going to get this credit card or start a point. You got to fully invest because it takes a lot it, and it only gets worse. It takes a lot of points to get things free and then it takes more points over time. You wait three years, it's going to be or more points because they all appreciate. So it's finding the sweet spots and all the programs. And then the points guy will help you stay on top of all that. We pay for all our estimated taxes using a credit card and we pay a small fee for that. But then we are Southwest miles, which it has a value. And then we are points towards our companion passes, which we get $3,500 in value a year too. So we got a fact that we, yeah, we put it all in Excel spreadsheet calculated up and she thinks I'm crazy come out because she's like, you're spending $800 in fees. I'm like, we're getting $600 in points plus halfway to our companion pass or a third of our there. It's all a, a trade-off. And at the end of the day, it ends up saving us money, but it is a big investment. Investment like? In time. In time. But it's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's what I enjoy. It, and there are things like when he was traveling full-time as a consultant, he would switch hotel rooms every night. 
because a lot of the hotel chains, you get your status based on the number of nights or number of stays. Stays. So instead of doing one stay for a whole week, you'd get four or five stays in that week. They've all changed that. I'd had a third of my project team all switching hotels every night. And then we all had to submit our receipts to our manager. And he was like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? And then he started doing it too. No, because then you would get all these bonus points. And you did get lunchtime. Lifetime Marriott, twenty over twenty five hundred nights at Marriott. I've stayed because they merged with Weston. They merged the profiles. I had two thousand at Marriott and five hundred at Starwood. So a hundred nights approximately every year. Now some of those are bonus nights. You get early bonuses, uh-huh. five nights pre with the credit card, but the uh, probably two thirds of them are staying nights. So there were times we used to. Some clients would give you a residence in for the whole month. So I was getting 30 days stay every month, even though we were just there a couple nights. So for getting all these travel points, it's a time investment and a time commitment. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. But that, it, that you is- know, it's the thrill of the hunt. You're out looking for the best deal you could find. And when you find it, then you feel really successful and happy. It's addictive. I, I have one of my credit cards that I use um, frequently for my, all my daily purchases, gas, grocery shopping, whatever. It gives me travel point. So basically all I have to do is anytime I travel anywhere and there's a hotel or a rental car or an air, airline charge on my credit card, I can just say, okay, I want to use my points to take that away. And basically it takes away that amount of money. So it's super easy. I don't have to go and book through them for airline purchases or things like that. So it's so easy to use and it's definitely. That's 2%. Yeah. Pretty good. One and a half to 2% is about the most you can expect to get. Mm-hmm. We talked about you starting your financial plan. We talked about your entrepreneurship, what you learned, going through building inventory, going through debt. We've talked about just the benefits of work, investing, crypto, IRAs, all of this. Insurance, which is a lot of different types. It's quite complicated. So everyone has to do their research. What other lessons do you want to share? Financial lessons that we may not have touched a bit. Could be through your career, through other things that you've learned. So we did a really great job of saving for retirement, especially when we were young. We saved a lot of money for retirement. But now we're thinking, what if we want to retire early? Now all our money is tied up in retirement accounts. We can't get to until we're 59 and a half. So that's, a, I guess, a good, kind of a good thing. We have all this money for later. But like if we both wanted to retire at 55, we would really have to think about how we were, would make that happen. As we're retiring at 60, would be no problem. We have plenty of money. So it's really access to money. And I would definitely not recommend anybody not saving as much as we did the first, you know, 10 years. But I think after that, after the first 10 years, we probably should have allocated a little less to accounts that we don't have access to till we're later in life. But that wasn't something I'd even brought to my mind at the time, to, to be honest. And we did have some other accounts we used that money to, to build this new house that we, we built. We did have other money. But now that is not as plentiful as our retirement accounts. So we're very retirement heavy. And we saved well, but we did a plan. So as we, we plan for everything else that, that we do, but we know our financial advisor just two weeks ago was like, okay, what's your plan for retirement? I'm like, I don't know. We have money. I don't have a plan though. And it's a little too early. We're just four to six to really plan that down. But my, my brother-in-law just retired at 65. And yeah, it's this very complex plan. He would meet with his financial advisor all the time to go and plan. And I didn't understand how much, you know, thought was really into it. I think our financial advisor said the best way to really plan, or one of the best ways to know when you're, when you can make it and retire is 
if you can take all of your investments and take about 4% every year of your investments and just live off the 4%, he said, then almost everyone won't run out of money. You can also maybe consider living off about 5% of your um, investments. And most of the time you won't run out of money. And once you're on, you will. So we just have to find out at what point our expenses are not above 4% of what we have in investments. So once we live off of that, that's good. Another um, one good thing we did do quite a few times is uh, refinance our homes. Mm-hmm. So we've been having your interest rate for mortgages have been, we didn't have one at 2.1. What was the one? Before? Oh, it's 3.1. 3.1, yeah. Our current mortgage is at 2.5%. And it's hard to beat that. And at that rate, it's hard for me, but it's better to put any excess money in investments instead of on the mortgage because the interest rate is so low on the mortgage. But I do hate seeing the amount of money we pay on mortgage interests. So that really hurts me. But it's best to put it in investments which are going to make more than 2.5%. So that is a big thing. But we also try to do a lower mortgage loan if we can. So we should have our house paid off in about 10 to 12 years. And we've had it for five years. So trying to pay off our houses within 15 to 20 years if we can instead of 30 years. Because once we get to that point, when our houses are paid off, then retirement is definitely an easier thing to do. But planning for retirement is really tough because it factors in everything you've worked for your whole life. And then now you got to think of, okay, when am I going to die? And <laughs> so you got to make it so your money lasts until you die. And it's a challenging thing to sit here and try to calculate. Yeah. Uh, like my brother-in-law, he's lying living past 75 or 80. No one in his family has ever lived past 80. So he's, that's how he's allocated his funds. So if I'm past 80, he's like, I'm going to be in such bad shape. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, my mom and stepdad are 86. They're running around almost 87. Yeah. Like it's, it's like they're 60. Yep. So. yep. Yeah. So they're doing great, but you never know. It's like the crystal. You don't know. None of us do, but that's interesting. You talked about saving for retirement, but. How do you balance if you want to retire early? How do you start thinking ahead of time? Because uh-huh. I think when you're on that trajectory, when you start working, you know, it's the grindstone and you're headed down this long tunnel, trying to get there fast. And then now you have switched your thinking as to, yes, I have it ready. But if I pull that trigger early, what do I need to get that 4%? I think it's good for everyone to start thinking about what their financial plan needs to look like. And holistically, there's all these pieces, insurance, investments, benefits, everything. Whether you're an independent freelancer, entrepreneur, corporate job, whatever it is, think about it holistically. And whether you get a financial planner, which, which would be probably a good idea or do it yourself, but you have to think of all the moving parts. Because yes, you'll invest for retirement, you'll take out 4%. I find that it took me a long time and I find it interesting when I have conversation with friends is they give a number and they talk about a date. I retire at, like you said, 65, 70, or I need so many million or whatever that number is. But I think no one really knows what that number is. And that's the financial planner helps because what I've realized when I'm gone is Yes, you need a certain number, but it may not be actually as high as you think because your money is growing when you retire. It's not like you're pulling all that money out and it's sitting in a bank. It's continuing to grow still. So it's good for those people who might consider that trajectory of early retirement or want to pivot to actually know what that looks like and then make a conscious decision then. Just assume that you heard from a friend, oh, this is the number that may not be the right number for you because it depends on your lifestyle, what you want to do. 
what the spending habits are, how much is in retirement, how much is somewhere else. Asia was speaking the other day. She looked at our life insurance and our house. When we die, the kids will get that and they're going to be loaded. That's so much more money than my, either of our parents had in their whole lifetime. Just the value of this house, assuming it doesn't crap. They should have no problem making a very good life just that. And that doesn't mean that anything else, right? And hopefully we'll downsize when we get older and that'll be a huge another chunk of money that we can use for our retirement. So I fear like our house is part of retirement as well. So we were talking about setting up for the future. Do you have a will, power of attorney? Can you talk about those kind of documents and set up? Don't forget to subscribe to my Substack newsletter. The links are in the show notes. If you're looking to partner with me for keynote speaking on women leadership, financial independence or graduate school and beyond, check out my website and reach out to me. Stay tuned in and listen to the rest of the podcast. Thanks for listening. We have an eight-year-old daughter and then we have an 11-year-old son and he has some special needs. He has a rare genetic syndrome. So he might not go to college, but because of that, we are preparing for his future. So we'll have a special needs trust that will put some savings in for him. And that's what he can use to live off of when he's an adult. And we'll probably live with us for most of his life, most likely. But we, we built a house and it's all custom for any needs that he might have. He has a little apartment that he can live in when he's an adult. And it's got wide hallways in case he's in a wheelchair, things like that. With your son, you've... You set the setup. It just shows clear thoughtfulness on your part. But we should have had a will the second our, our first kid was born, but we procrastinated. So we're working now on getting our will set up. And since our son ha can't have assets, could he have special needs, we have to do a special needs trust. So that's a little more complicated and we're working on that. But the will is definitely very important. And after seeing some of Angel's family go through deaths without wills, it can be very traumatic. Like your family can lose everything. If some random person comes in and says, oh, I have a will. And it's hard, to, very hard to dispute. Both of our families Both have actually family. had that happen. And where someone changed the will right before death, strangely, and we don't think it was their sound mind, strange things like that. The will is very important. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, my company has a legal plan that you can join. And I did join that. And so our parents have been able to use the parent service on that and to do their wills. And they both just got their wills more firm or in place. And we're working on ours as well, along with the special needs trust for our son. And so we'll have it done by April. And I'm glad you talked about the will because I think that those are as important. You do the retirement, you set up with insurance, but you need to protect your assets. If you're especially looking at inheritance, there's a whole tax and implications that people will need to do review. But I think just the thought, just as you're talking about it, just having a will, a power of attorney, health directives, everything. I think people have to look at all those pieces when they're planning their future, because if you're building the assets, I think you said it in the beginning, right? When they go into, if they have medical needs, consumes a lot of that so you may not have as much left but if you do have it you want to make sure that the inheritance goes the way you planned and we do have our beneficiary set up all of our most of our savings as we would like but you can do what is your bank account where you can also put like a beneficiary and um, it's called something a little different depending on the bank you're at it's nice to have especially when you have children you need to list who you want to take care of your children uh, it's not so obvious in our case because i don't i don't have any cl really close younger siblings and then my husband his siblings are much older 
and we don't have any family that lives near us. So none of them are really all that familiar with our kids. So it was a difficult decision to make actually on who would care for our kids. And that's why um, it's taken us a little while to, to do our will. We, we have the person down now, but, but we weren't really sure who we'd use. So that was a big one. We're actually using a friend instead of family because none of our family could really dedicate the time we did to take care of us than in the capacity it needs. In general, his care is only going to get more time consuming over time, not really better. It, it'd be easy for Hayden to know someone knowing that by the time she's 18, hopefully she'll move out and go to college and continue on. But with Weston, we're going to need more care or else someone to make sure that he's set up okay in a group home type of situation. If that's where he ends up at, it's hard to say, but we'll just have to see how he does when he's older. Exactly. I think Will is not just about the financial part. It's about the children as well, especially if they're 18 or they have needs outside. And I think that is something for people to remember because otherwise from depending on the state you are in, they can assume responsibility to make the decision for you. And you brought up a really good point. It's not always family. So it's an interesting discussion to have because you both have to agree on who is going to take care of the children, who is the right person who can provide the care financially and outside of it. So I think that is the reason to have Will and other pieces put together because you're, especially if you have kids to have that conversation, then there's the financial piece of it. And you're right, there's investments, banks, all of them have their joint of survivorship or trusts or beneficiaries or very many ways of how you want to divide the money. And if you talk to a financial advisor or a trust, uh, like you said, kids can inherit a lot and you can even stagger those amounts over the number of years and how you choose to pay it out to them so that they have that. There's also the decision about doing a living trust and helps save a lot of the inheritance fees later on down the road. So it's another big decision for people to make as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where all these pieces with maybe an advisor or whoever they choose to do. I think there are so many implications as people are growing their wealth to take into account as they look at it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Great. This is a question I ask everyone. What advice would you give your 21-year-old self in life and career or finance? So I would say don't live above your means. So I know some people jump in with their first house and it's quite a bit above their means. And that causes a lot of stress on relationships and things like that. So start saving from day one. At least, I would say at least 25% of your salary, honestly. And then I would say travel, get the travel while you're young, go see other places, see how other people live. I, I just think it's neat to see other cultures and, or just relax and get away sometimes. So I think that's important as well. And I would say just because you end up with extra money in a month doesn't mean you have to spend it. Making sure that the saving that she said is just make sure we have the savings so that when you do want to spend it and you want to to move on and forward up in your life, but you have that money available. And, and also donate. I think that's really important to donate to causes that are really near and dear to your heart. And that's an important thing to us too. You touched on some really good things. I love the fact that you're talking about also donating and the charity because it's something you can support. You can see the impact you're having. And it also brings back a certain amount of joy and happiness. You can always donate time. If you can't donate money, donate time into charity. So I think that's very important as well. Exactly. So I wanted to just summarize what we talked about today. You had some really good advice uh, about saving and making sure you spend within your means. You talked about retirement. You talked about all the different types of insurance. 
so people can look at it traveling. And if you want to do it on points and stuff, it's more time consuming and complicated, but there are definitely a lot of resources outside, like the points guy. Setting up a will, a trust, just so many different pieces uh, that we talked about. And not to forget to give your own time and investment in charity. You could even use it to mentor someone. You could use it to help someone. There are so many ways to do it and find something that benefits you. As people are looking at retirement, a lot of people, when they think of retirement, they think of travel and volunteering, right? Those are very often the two responses you hear. And I read this article a few years ago, which says, Start planning it five years before you get there because it's not like a time switch. You could switch and then you'll find the resources and you've built the network. But start investing early so you can build the resources, the group, the community around you for either the travel or volunteering or whatever you may choose to do. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tune in every other Wednesday to catch the next episode. If you think a friend may benefit from this, please share this podcast with them. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. All the resources we talked about are also available on my website, womencareerandlife.com. I would love to hear from you about your stories and your journey. You can reach me on my blog, Twitter, Instagram, or Gmail at womencareerandlife. Until next time, this is Sarisha signing off. Remember, there are infinite possibilities to drive change in career and life. Which will you choose to make a reality today?